Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. Welcome to today's All Things Podcast. I am so excited for you to meet my guest today. To kickstart our show today, I'm going to introduce you to an author friend of mine that I actually worked with on his very first book over 20 years ago. But before I share that conversation with you, let me introduce him to y'all. Dr. Ben Young is a writer and pastor at Second Baptist Church, a diverse multi-ethnic church with over 20,000 people attending weekly services online and on six campuses throughout the city of Houston. The author of several books, including Room for Doubt, Devotions for Dating Couples, and Why Mike's Not a Christian. Dr. Young is also an adjunct professor at Houston Theological Seminary, where he teaches homiletics, apologetics, and practical theology. We are going to talk to him today about his absolute hot-off-the-press latest book, Survive the Day, Thriving in the Midst of Life's Storms. Very, very profound, impactful content for the days that we are living in. You are really going to love this interview. He was born and raised in the Carolinas before moving to Texas in 1978, was educated at Baylor University, Southwestern Theological Seminary, and Bethel Theological Seminary in San Diego. Having hosted a nationally syndicated talk talk show for years and serving as chaplain for the Houston Astros, Dr. Young also enjoys surfing and practicing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So let's go to that interview. All right. Well, I am excited to start this conversation with someone I've known for actually a long time, Dr. Ben Young. Um, We worked together on a book a long, long time ago, and it is just such a delight to reconnect with you and read your new book and just get caught up. So welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here, Athena. You bet. So before we jump in to hearing about your new book and some specific questions I want to ask you about that, I would love for our audience to hear a Romans 828 story from your life. So uh, we all have lots of them. So I'll just let you pick your favorite 
and uh, would love to hear that. Okay, my, my Romans 8.28 story goes back to when I entered into a time of doubt in my life. Towards the, the end of my senior year in college, I began uh, to become very skeptical about prayer. Does prayer work? Does God work? And it led me into a season of uh, doubt and skepticism where externally I was a Christian, but internally I was an agnostic. And so through that doubting, it, uh, God brought me out of that doubt in an interesting way. And that is he began to show me his grace. I had understood grace, I guess, mentally and logically, and maybe a little bit theologically, but not on a deep emotional level. So it was the grace of God uh, that, that brought me out of that situation. And uh, going through doubt entered it, introduced me to some great authors and writers and thinkers that have been my mentors to this day. I mean, C.S. Lewis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others. And it just opened up an entirely new door. And now, and I talk a lot to people who were outside of the church, a lot of skeptics, agnostics, atheists. I, I've engaged with them for many years now, but I feel very comfortable about the questions they're asking, because I've asked the very same questions deeply for not just for weeks and months, but for years. And so God has really used that that uh, negative situation, emotionally negative and, and obviously spiritually negative situation in a, in a positive way as life has unfolded in his in his providence. So that's my Romans 828 doubt story. How's that? I Love that because, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, kind of go one extreme to the other. We just go along with, well, the pastor said this is the way it is, so I'm going to believe it. And then we don't really know why we believe what we believe. And, uh, you know, it's just so important to go through that dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it of doubt. So you so you actually can answer other people's questions when when they don't understand why a good god would you know allow the holocaust yeah. or whatever yeah yes you're exactly right it's interesting that's probably why we first met and i wrote that first book on why mike's not a christian it's about how do you answer skeptics questions and that all came from my own uh personal journey uh of doubt so mm. um yeah and i, I learned too and i i got this from oz guinness um, Oz Guinness wrote a phenomenal book um, years ago called God in the Dark. I think it's the best book uh, on doubt ever written on a popular level. And he said this, that doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is. So doubt is, is, is being in between faith and unbelief. So doubt can slide you closer to God or doubt can slide you farther away from God. But many times, not always, but many times doubt is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. You're simple. It's neutral. It's what we do with our doubt. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And I just love the dynamic of that. God allowing you to, to wrestle with that, to actually come out the other end stronger for it, deep, more depth and the ability to have those conversations with people that a lot of Christians would run away from because they really don't know how to answer them. Yeah, because you're right. And, and when I was going through it, it, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's like I've, I've been a Christian for almost my entire life. I grew up in a very conservative home. I believe the Bible from cover to cover. 
And to have the doubts that I was having about God's existence, about the veracity of scripture, about the person of Jesus, it was incredibly uh, anguishing. And I didn't feel like I could, could kind of come out of the closet and tell other people. But um, yeah, I, I, God did use it um, in a positive way in the long run. But when I was going through it, it, it was it was it was tough. I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, I, I think we're going to come back on another show and talk a little bit more about that doubt thing. So, so Ben, we're going to jump into talking about your newest book, Survive the Day, Thriving in the Midst of Life's Storms. So, and I am thoroughly enjoying reading this book. It, thank you. you just, on so many levels, uh, it resonates with me. So thank you so much for your work on this. But as a survivor yourself, Will you give us the background story that led you to write this new book? Sure. Well, about 11 years ago, um, I, I had been married for 19 years, had two young daughters. My wife and I at the time went through a, a divorce and there was no immorality on either side of the aisle, so to speak, uh, but it was a very... Uh, brutal, arduous, and public divorce. And it just literally shattered my life and my family's life into a million pieces. And so that's what, that, that was the, the dark season in my life that lasted for many years. And I learned a lot uh, about how to survive the day uh, and by, by going through that particular storm. Um, at the same time, obviously you're, you're reading the book. The book is not about divorce or divorce recovery. It's broader than that. It's, it's, about, it's about anyone going through a difficult storm in life, you know, whether it's battling cancer or your loved one is sick, whether it's having a special needs child or someone in your family has mental illness or they're addicted to drugs and you're wondering, how can we make it through a day? So mm -hmm. uh, I, I definitely wrote it much broader than simply dealing with my own story, but my own story does provide background to, um, to the context of this book for sure. All right. So, and, and I love that, that it's not, I mean, that's one example of many, I mean, there's can be so many different storms that we face and, you know, we need all the tools we can get. And certainly from someone who's been there and survived, which you have survived the day. So, how did dealing with crisis affect your relationships with family or friends? Were they part of the crisis? Um, no, my family and friends were not. I mean, they were part of the crisis as far as helping. But anytime you go through a major life crisis, you're going to find out who your friends really are. So through that storm, I found out who my true loyal friends were, those who were there for me, those who were able to listen to me and to be patient in the midst of a, a lot of uncertainty and pain. So, um, but I'm very thankful to have a couple of close friends who really served as, as for lack of a better word, sponsors for me to kind of uh, borrow some language from the recovery movement. And that would be, they were always there for me. So whenever I needed to call them or text them, no matter what, they would drop what they were doing and take the time out of their busy schedules to listen to my particular issue of the day. So I'm, I'm so very thankful for the friends that uh, helped me and walk through, walk through and guide me through this, uh, this dark storm. Mm. Safe friends are uh, a rare treat 
to have and to be just be heard and understood by. And uh, yeah, you do find out who your real friends are when you go through something like that, for sure. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things you tell people who find themselves dealing with overwhelming circumstances or life altering crisis? Right. The first thing I would say is that you're not alone. You're not alone. Whatever you're going through, first of all, God is very aware of what's happening in your life. He knows the circumstances inside and out better than you do. So God knows, knows you. He knows you by name. He knows the pain and hurt and disappointment you're going through. Number two, there are there is someone that's within your reach that is either going through or has gone through a storm just like yours. Mm. So what I talk about time and time again in this book is the, the need to reach out and talk to someone who's maybe two or three years out of that particular storm or maybe just a year out and they can speak truth and life and grace um, to help you navigate uh, the waters of your storm. Mm. And that just brings such hope because if we don't, feel like there's anyone else that has experienced what we're going through and survived to thrive, that can put us in a pretty hopeless place. It, it really can, because you, again, you feel like you're alone. And one of the things the enemy loves to do is to isolate us. Yep. So the enemy wants us to think I am the only person in the world that's struggling with pain and disappointment I'm the only person in the world that's dealing with this level of anxiety and worrying about what's going to happen next in my future. I'm the only person in the world that is having their heartbreak or ha is having multiple storms at the same time. I'm having a flood. I'm having wind damage. I'm having lightning. Everything is pounding down on me. And I'm the only one. And, 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 and I'm out of God's will because this storm is happening in my life. And the enemy loves to speak those lies into us, especially when we're going through a difficult trial. Mm. And that is so true because he knows if he can isolate us, we become more vulnerable because we're not getting that kind of support and that, and those words of wisdom, we're not getting those. So we're just captive to his lies and <laughs> boy. Yeah, it, yeah, we are. And it works a number on it. And I talk about this in the book. I think it's in chapter four, I believe. I, talk, I call it the shadow voice and, and the shadow voice. I, I don't know the exact source. Maybe it's the enemy. Maybe it's our own flesh and fallen nature. Perhaps it's lies spoken through the enemy, through others. But the shadow voice is the voice that kind of lives inside of our head. It's the voice of self-condemnation. It's mm -hmm. the voice of pity. And it's the voice that's telling you to give up, give up on God, give up on life, give up on the situation. And, and, and this voice wants you to cave, cave into the chaos and the pain. And whatever you do as you're going through your life storm, you've got to really get a grip and deal with that shadow voice. Mm. Absolutely. Because really, when you begin to repeat those lies to those who love you and, and admit what you're thinking, that's when, like, he's busted. The enemy's busted because you brought that thought into the light and find out that lots of other people have that same thought. Mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing yeah, new under the sun with that guy. 
Yeah, there's not. And, you know, the Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren, yep. but he, he is constantly, and there's somewhere, I think it's in the book of Job where it says he's kind of, kind of near the throne of God or somewhere in heaven. Like, yeah. He's a constant accuser, which I don't really fully understand that. Uh, yeah. I just know, I just know the negative uh, implications and negative consequences, as you said, Athena, of listening to that voice. So what we have to do when we're going through a life storm or crisis, and really, this applies to everyone because right now, because of COVID-19, we're all going through a time of great uncertainty and disappointment and pain. So whatever storm you're going through, we've got to learn how to overcome the shadow voice by listening to the stronger voice. Mm -hmm. And that stronger voice is the voice that God is sending to us. And yeah. so in the book, I spend really two chapters on the shadow voice uh, on, on how do we really start dealing with those thoughts, capturing them, if you would, and then replacing them with truth and life and grace. Mm. That's so good. So, so let me ask you this. Are you able to offer maybe some tips that have helped you and others dealing with crisis? Yes, uh, for, uh, for sure. So the first thing I would say this, if you're going through a major life storm right now and you have access to a gate, to a great Christian counselor or therapist, go see them. Yep. Make that appointment right now. Do that after you finish listening to this. Just make that appointment and, and find them and seek them out. Uh, if not, and you can't afford to do that right now, go to your local church, find a pastor that you can talk to. If not, try to find a group, get online and Google whatever problem or issue or storm you're going through and try to find a group that's meeting in your area that you can go to. So to me, that's the first strategy is you've got to reach out because you're mm. not going to make it through your storm alone. You're just not gotten. You need others. And so many times God speaks to us. God comforts us. God encourages us. God speaks wisdom to us through other people. Yep. And so that's the first strategy thing that I would tell people to do if they're going through a major life storm. Amen. So, so what do you say to those who are dealing with mental illness and maybe to their family members and friends? Yes. Uh, mental illness, as a friend of mine says, is the casserole free disease in the church. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you get sick in most churches, you're going to get a lot of food. Uh, if, so, if someone has cancer, you're going to get a lot of food and casseroles. But if someone finds out that you or someone you love is mentally ill, then that is the casserole-free disease. So just don't expect food. But I would say this. Um, one of the things I would recommend them doing is to get online and, and seek out a group called NAMI. That's N-A-M-I. It stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And they have groups meeting all over the country uh, that, that meet in churches in different places. And it's just a great way to go to support, to deal with other friends and family members who have someone uh, that's struggling with mental illness. So that's what I would encourage people to do is to seek out a NAMI group um, in their city, in their town and get connected. And, and the good thing, I say the good thing, one of the good things about COVID right now is that many people are meeting through Zoom meetings as well, right. Zoom support groups. So it's, it's, it's easily accessible. You don't have to go and try to seek them out and get lost in traffic. So exactly. You don't have to go <laughs> anywhere. Just yeah. push a button. There you are. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So as we wrap this up and land this plane, 
Um, I would love for you to share a tip or a tool because, you know, our Romans 828 is the theme of this podcast that God really always works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. So, but sometimes that's hard to remember and it's Mm -hmm. hard to keep it in perspective. So can you just give our listeners a tip or a tool to help them do that? Yes, I would. I would say that you need to put yourself in the proper position in order to access the power and grace God has for you. And, and there are three things you need to do. One, you need to humble yourself before God. And if you're in a crisis, you're probably already humbled, but say, God, I need you. Here I am. I'm depending upon you. The second thing you need to do is open your hands and open your heart to the grace of God. God will provide the grace we need on a daily basis when we need it. And the third thing that you can do, and this is maybe the most difficult thing, and that is to surrender. And that's to let go, turn it over to him. There are things in your life that you can control. And there are a lot of things in your life you can't control. And those things you can't control, those people in your life, those circumstances that you're holding on to, Man, you've got to open your hands and let that go and turn that over to God right now. Amen. And that that just means you once you really do that surrender process, the hardest thing, that just gives God permission to move much more quickly in taking that pain and using it for good. Because if we don't surrender, we just like are pushing him away from the work right. he wants to do. And, and, and Athena, you know this as well. It doesn't mean that everything that happens happening to you is good and right. It doesn't mean that at all, Romans 8, 28. But it right. means that in a sense to me, I see it as God is the ultimate recycler. So yes. God, I, I give you my pain. I give you my, not only my sins, but the chaos of the situation that's happened to me. And God, I am praying that over time, as I humble myself, receive grace and surrender, that you are going to make all things good. You're going to produce something good out of something that's been really bad and negative. Exactly. Right on. Okay. So if uh, we have some people listening today that want to connect with you online or Mm -hmm. find you or find your book, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, the best thing to do is is go and, and you can get the book at Amazon, of course, the big giant that it is. And the name of the book is Survive the Day. And my name is Ben Young. And that's B as in boy, E-N-Y-O-U-N-G. Or I have, I have a website. It's not very dynamic, but it's got my books on it and a way to connect to some of my messages, video messages. And the website is benyoung.org. And so that's the way they can connect with me. Wonderful. Well, it has been a joy to reconnect with you and just jump in on all that God has been doing in your life. And just thank you so much for taking time out today to be with us on the all things podcast. Athena, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to, to be with you and to reconnect as well. Amen. All right. We did it. We did did it, it. Athena. (laughs) (laughs) We persevered. Oh, so I'm going to let you go and we will be in touch um, just about this other thing that I would love for you to be part of. I think you would bring some real value to that. Do some video clips, you mean? Yep. Yep. Well, that's 
we're we're going to do that. We're going to do the other podcast, the vidcast. Um, okay. But, but the mental health thing that we want to do. Sure, absolutely. With, yeah, I really want to get you involved in that. And I don't know what it's looking like yet, but I will just keep you posted and, and ha- have Tony on my list to, to update. And then we can reconnect and see if that is going to work for you. And yeah, cool. We'll make it happen. All right. Thank you so much, Ben. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Well, hey, everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here with She Writes for Him. And we have another 21-day boot camp coming up in just a few weeks, October 7th, all online. We have another incredible, power-packed 21-day incredible experience for you to have if this sounds like something you need from idea to manuscript blueprint in 21 days at the end of 21 days you will have a step-by-step plan to complete a draft of your manuscript an outline that includes an overview synopsis a table of contents with specific chapter detail intro and first chapter draft creative book elements and much more. We've got all sorts of great bonuses uh, that are available to you for early signups. So if you will visit us at SheWritesForHimBootCamp.com, you can get all the details. And let me just read you a comment from one of our recent bootcamp graduates. Not only did She Writes for Him 21-Day Bootcamp leaders possess the knowledge and expertise I expected, they blew me away with their personal one-on-one approach. With the attention I received, I discovered why my message needs to be written, how it should be structured, and the courage to begin today. That was Shannon McGee. So we hope you'll join us starting October 7th It's all online. Some of it's live, but everything's recorded so you can work it into your schedule. Plan to be with us in October for the next She Writes for Him 21-Day Boot Camp. Well, welcome back to the second half of today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am so excited to share with you a conversation I had recently with Robert Flanagan. So first, let me introduce you to him. The Reverend Dr. Bob Flanagan has struggled with mental illness and managed to thrive for over 20 years. He holds a doctorate of ministry degree in Christian spirituality and is an adjunct faculty member at General Theological Seminary in New York City, teaching on Christian spirituality. He served for over 10 years as a state and federal advocate for and board member of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. His most recent book with Redemption Press is Courage to Thrive, Finding Joy and Hope in the Midst of Mental Health Struggles. And we are going to discuss that very topic today. 
His previous book, Growing a Sustainable Soul, won a bronze medal in the Reader's Favorite International Book Contest. Bob lives with his wife, Lainey, in Bridgewater, Connecticut, and they have two grown children. Now, here are just a few little-known facts about Bob. He was a top athlete during college, and he and his wife are avid gardeners. They have a huge garden that includes sunflowers, potatoes, and many herbs that can be used as medicine. It's That kind of a garden is based on an English physic garden, and those types of gardens were grown in the 1700 by pastors. So let's go to that conversation now. All right. Well, it is great to have you on the All Things Podcast today, Bob. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Athena. It's great to great to be with you. Really appreciate your time. And it's just uh, wonderful to be able to, to, to share our love for God and love for, for people this way. Amen. Amen. So before we jump into your uh, devotional journal, Mm-hmm. Courage to Thrive that I absolutely love. I mean, yeah, uh, we'll talk more about that as we yeah. get into those questions. But um, before we do that, I would love for our listeners to hear just your favorite Romans 828 story where God just worked everything together for good when you really could not have seen him doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had this. Um, so I came out of a, I came out of uh, seminary and went to my first church. It was a big church. I was on staff there and uh, hadn't been there but a few weeks. And I was asked by a mom. She said, "Will you visit with my daughter? She's really going through a hard time." Um, and had her. You know, she came to the church and we we spoke for a while and. And what turned out is that she was just at the beginning of of her first bipolar episode, and so it was her first time that she uh, she was really psychotic, you know, becoming psychotic and detached from reality. Um, she claimed that uh, in in the end, as this really blew up on her, that she was pregnant with with. Uh, with Jesus, the second coming, and she really was was um, tied into, uh, there was a strong religious element to all of this with her, but also it was clearly um, a psychological issue, and she, she just wasn't, she wasn't well, and, and so I visited with her a number of times, and at one point I remember kind of shaking my head and thinking and praying to God and saying, you know, I wouldn't have been able to um, react to her as compassionately. I wouldn't have been as prepared. I probably wouldn't have been pretty scared um, with some of what happened or some of what she described too and, and overwhelmed as, as a brand new person at a seminary at my first, first position. And I realized that what I had went through and the challenges that I went through in my first year, first months of seminary really laid a foundation for me to be a better pastor to her and to others in that situation. So I really paused and and kind of shook my head and said, really, do I, you know, all of what I went through, the difficulties of all that was, was like, okay, 
uh, I get it. I get it. I, I, uh, this, I, I needed to be prepared in some ways, uh, and, and it worked. And, and this was, as I would say that it wasn't God trying to, to purposely, um, you know, make me be in a place of hurt and, 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 um, uh, you know, suicidal ideation, but it was, but God uses all things to the good in that, it was kind of the 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 silver lining in the cloud, if you will. It, you know, it really came at the end. I said, "Well, all right. If I had to go through that, and I can you then, and I can be used for this good, then then I'm okay with it. Then it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. That is so good because um, yeah. As I read your story of uh, those struggles, those early day struggles mm -hmm. of depression and suicidal thoughts, mm -hmm. and just. Uh, you know, in, in that, in your line of work, it's, it's hard to uh, admit and even have a safe place oh. to be able to talk about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And it was certainly the case of, of early on of being very careful about who we talk to, particularly seminaries of vulnerable time. And, and certainly in my denomination of whether, you know, you successfully complete it. If you don't successfully, you know, if you have troubles or they decide, you know, this, maybe there's something else going on that you're going to get sidetracked and, and you know, held up or said, no, maybe this isn't for you. Right. Um, and I think that that's not fair um, it, to people with mental health issues in the clergy. So there is that risk that, that a lot of clergy run into. Yeah. But just for you to go through that, to mm -hmm. come out the other end, mm -hmm. to have, um, you know, God work through that to give you the compassion you needed for this young lady. Yeah. Who, yeah. You know, I mean, that's pretty delusional. I, I mm -hmm. know by people that struggle with bipolar and I, and that's pretty It seems to me like that's kind mm -hmm. of extreme. Yeah. On, it really uh, was. Yeah. Yeah. But but how, how cool that is that God would take your experience of struggle and mm. be able to uh, utilize that. And, you know, that was your first tough one to, to deal with, yeah, but really you know, many yeah. more since then, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I love that. I love that. Okay. So let's jump into the devotional journal because yeah. um, just the message is so important and mm -hmm. um, I'm just so encouraged by it and uh, it ministered to me and right. I, I don't struggle with any mental health mm -hmm. issues per se. I mean, sometimes I get a little anxious, but that's about it. But no, you, there were so many things in your book that touched my heart that I got to ponder and have conversations with my husband about yeah. because they were important things to think through. Mm -hmm. um, so let me ask you this. How has your ministry paved the way for you to write a devotional in which you reveal so much of your own personal struggle? Well, one of the things I did after, you know, after meeting with that young woman kind of got um, led into being a chaplain at a psychiatric hospital. And um, it, it, my time there really showed me that um, uh, the necessity of, of being able to be open as a, as a uh, faith leader in, in this area, uh, because people are afraid to share things. I, I, was, I, I met with a, they brought me in to meet with a young uh, a woman who was in high school who um, they were, you know, 
I think she said, Hey, you, you know, can I talk with a, with a pastor? Can I talk with a priest? Um, and, and as much as they were a bit of really the, 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 the psycho psychology team was at a loss of kind of what to do with her. And she really wasn't, wasn't, um, responding in ways and she was pretty quiet and um, she and i sat down and we kind of just i just listened to her and 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 finally she said you know what i'm really struggling with is that my grandfather died and i can't i can't see him and i'm upset about that and uh and 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 really upset about not being able to see him but also upset that that he died uh he was an important person in her life and I said, I, I asked her, I said, have you, have you um, spoken to this with your therapist? And she's like, no, I haven't at all. And I, afterwards I went back into the, the, the head of the unit and said, oh, by the way, um, you know, here's what she's really just going through. She's in deep mourning. Um, and she just didn't, she didn't want to tell you all that um, for a variety of reasons. And, uh, and so I think of, I think of those kind of struggles. And I think of of that young woman and the loss that she was going through, and it, and it, it makes me think about the spiritual aspect of all of what we go through with mental health. It's that so often the two are tied together uh, in in important ways. And my hope is that by showing that that um, showing that my own my own struggles is to help other Christians. And and others have uh, that are, you know, looking into at the faith or wanting to explore uh, uh, their own faith and spirituality. That hey, Christians can can struggle with mental health issues too. That that we're not not perfect. It's it's um, uh, it, it's one line right. You know, is you know, church is not a museum for the for the the perfect it's a hospital for the sinful you know and the sin sick you know it's it's a place where that people have problems and struggles and really try to work through them and get help for it well and i love that you're trying to um through the message of the book and your own um sharing your personal experience is helping to get rid of the stigma because it shouldn't be there well, absolutely. I mean, it absolutely shouldn't be there, right? Because I mean, th spend some time reading the Psalms, will you? you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, or how about Paul? Uh, there's plenty of times in the letter when Paul's there, just complaining about how awful his life is. Um, think of the jailer in in Acts, with you know, is ready to end his life because he thinks everybody escaped. Um, and of course, Job. I mean, th th those are just kind of ones that come to mind. But there's you know, mental health is a big piece of, of what happens in the Bible. Yeah, it is. And it, and it really, that should give us mm -hmm. some comfort to right. go, Oh, Jeremiah, like that guy was, mm -hmm. I mean, he was struggling right. uh, and, right. and David and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what makes your devotional unique among those that cover mental illness subjects. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to think that as a faith leader who's being honest and real about um, who he is, right? I think that that's that's uh, uh, that that separates myself in some ways. You know, I'm trying to be honest. I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect, and I've gotten this all figured out. You know, this is one of these books where somebody's going to read it and go, "Oh, wow, I want to be just like you know, just like him." 
in that, oh, look how perfect uh, um, the Christian life can be. It's, no, you know what? This is a journey, a spiritual journey of faith, which which uh, sometimes can lead us into dark places. And that's a part of life, frankly, uh, at yeah. least my experience of life. And, and as such, we know, can know that we can have God with us through it all. Even through the messiest situations, and that is, it's dark and it's messy. And right, right. wow, so yep. I want people and, to be able to lament and and laugh and cry and and you know find find connection that they're that other people can feel these ways too and have struggled that way. Mm, so good. Okay, so for readers struggling with mental illness, in what ways will courage to thrive encourage them? I'm reminded of, of um, uh, 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 a student that I worked with when I was teaching uh, at a uh, high school. Uh, it was the, the pastor of the community there. And uh, one of the things that uh, this person, uh, another adult had, had an interaction with her and, and, and she was an advisee of mine. And she said, you know, he, he, they were, he was talking about my relationship with her. And this was, I had been, she had been my advisee for, at this point for three or four years, three years, maybe she was going into her senior year, four years almost. And she said, he said, he gets me, right? And and I kind of look at, for those struggling on this journey, Courage to Thrive is a book that will tell you that I get you, that I understand that that I've walked this journey and um, and that there's somebody who's, who's um, footsteps you can follow uh or, or uh, at times avoid uh some of the some of the pitfalls that may have been involved but uh, that i've fallen into but there's but there's that that sense of hey i, I i've been there and uh, i can get through it and come to the other side and learn to thrive and and find that and i want i want that for my readers yeah it gives them the, that hope yeah. that you 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 do understand where they're coming from, what they're going mm -hmm. through, and and you have gotten to the other side, and that's mm -hmm. uh, that does give hope. So, mm -hmm. what about those of us maybe who don't struggle with mental illness, but we know someone who does? What yeah. insights will, will your devotional reveal to people like me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I had this. Uh, what's interesting is I had. Um, I would have this conversation at one church I was at um, uh, with a mom, her name was Kim, and, and she would come in, her daughter was at college, and um, uh, you know, she was, and, and her daughter wasn't doing well, she was really kind of struggling and having, you know, and and she had, she so the mom would come in and say, you know, in high school, my daughter was, it was, it, it, it seemed so easy, you know, that that the academic piece was really going really well, that that her, athletic piece was going well and it was all just kind of that she was really excelling through high school and she got to college and and all of a sudden she started stumbling and a lot of it um would, had to do with her own mental health issues that that she was kind of facing as a result of this kind of hitting this adversity and coming up against it and and what i did with with kim and working with you know just listening to her mostly but really saying is is helping her understand um, what it what it's probably like for her daughter to go through this and to say and and to be able to give her her a picture into something that's really tough to describe um, 
and and you know i've as the decades that i've been you know working through my own stuff my own mental health stuff uh was i found that writing courage to thrive um was was in a helpful for me to be able to articulate some of of what i went through because it's not easy to 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 really talk about at times it's it's just you know you you it's tough. It's tough. And you don't well, want to talk about it. You want to get through it. Well, and so often, you know, people in the church or people do, who don't struggle with mental health mm -hmm. issues, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, well, can't you just get over it and, and can't right. just move on and can't you just right. have more faith and pray more and read your Bible mm -hmm. more? And, you know, mm -hmm. which doesn't help at all. Right. At all, right. it doesn't help. And no, those kind of answers don't help. So <laughs> They're to, really so, dejecting. Yeah, yeah, so going through your devotional, I mean, it gives the reader who doesn't have that struggle a very clear picture of how mm -hmm. your feet, how you processed and how you felt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that allows us to have more compassion then when we run into mm -hmm. people who are struggling. Yeah, and, and having been a, a pastor at a, at a number of churches, you know, kind of the work that I've done and... Um, there there's more going on with people than people let on right oh, you know there's yeah. there's a lot of risk uh a social risk around letting out that somebody's having personal struggles or or, or issues at home right. um and uh you know sometimes the most put together uh congregations are the ones that have some of the worst things going on um and the, some of the deepest and most challenging things happening and I think part of that holding it all in, you know, to try to to, to say, hey, you know, I, I can navigate this all by myself, um, misses the point, misses the point of Christian community. And so hopefully readers who don't struggle with with any mental health issues can say, hey, you know, to be a good to be a good neighbor, friend, to be a good Christian is to be compassionate to those who are struggling. Um, because it's a it's a period of time. It's not a, a, a an identifying thing. You know, it, it's 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 a. I speak about that. Encouraged to thrive. It's it's. I'm not. I am a person, not a condition or an illness. Exactly. That's so good. Yeah. So you mentioned several historical and contemporary mm -hmm. works in your devotional. Uh, what are some of those and what led you to choose those resources from among the many you could have chosen? Yeah. So, so for instance, um, I kind of have the, the triumphant of, of um, uh, Western mystics, if you will, Western uh, um, of Julian of Norwich, uh, St. John of the Cross and, and Teresa of Avila. So um, two Spanish mystics uh, from 16th century and then Julian's English mystic from, from the 14th century. And um, they are um, each very unique people with that, that are also what I think they're also real that, that they're, that they, that there's no, um, there's no hiding it from them. There's no sitting back and saying, "Hey, you know," trying to smooth things over. They're a bit in your face. Um, part partly because of uh, for Julian, she's living in a time when she grew up with the first round of the plague. You know that that most uh, that that most families around here lost people to the to the plague, 
and and it dramatically changed you know the outlook of that of that time period i mean what we're going through is 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 tough and and hard what they went through was a whole lot worse and a lot more devastating so she comes out of all of those experiences with her own intense mystical experience and dedicates herself to god in a really unique way and so she's an important person for us to understand always and then john of the cross is a, a brilliant uh, man who is asked by Teresa of Avila to to oversee and teach um, the novices in her monastic community, and in doing so, he writes with such clarity about about the um, the the life of faith that is so important to have to to read. And there's wonderful translations into into the English, and what what I suspect happened is, so he writes these these poems and probably gives them to his students and they come back and saying, this is a great poem, but what does it mean? Hmm. And so he want, writes these wonderful commentaries on the poems and it's the commentaries that are so uh, edifying to us. It's so helpful and edu uh, that give us so much information about the spiritual life. And then Teresa kind of is the mother superior writing to her community and saying, okay, gang, this is how you do it. Um, and she writes about her own struggles and, and the things that she went through and her, her times of, of, um, of elation or rapture that she has. And so they're really important to have in there. And then, you know, some of the more modern ones, Thomas More, who wrote Care of the Soul, is a, a therapist and a religious person who's, who's important to kind of catch on to and understand. Awesome. So I know that writing the book for you was somewhat cathartic, some personal therapy for mm -hmm. you as you mm -hmm. got to write through it. So how did it challenge you in your own struggle with depression and anxiety? Well, there was a sense of like, okay, and I'm going to be really public about what I've gone through. Right. Um, and, and in some ways I have been right as, as a, um advocate for suicide prevention um on the state and federal level um you know walking through the halls of congress and in uh in my clericals and talking to to senators and in the congress people and representatives and asking them to pass certain legislation you know that is pretty out there but it's still on a, a individual basis on that but this is so wide out there community saying hey anybody in the world wants to read this you know, uh, go ahead. Here's a look into my into my life, and so um, some of that uh, I, I think there, there's some of that vulnerability issue as being a guy, and and also um, just you know willingness to put things out there. But I also did it. Um, I also set some boundaries. You know, I didn't get into every single detail of what I went through and why. It's just not relevant to the book, um, and that's more of kind of voyeuristic than than helpful, um, right. if you will. Okay, so the book's prayers draw deeply from your own experiences. Mm -hmm. Clearly, prayer has been vital to you as you manage your anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. What do you mm -hmm. hope your readers can take away from the prayers encouraged to thrive? Right. I think um, the thing about um, being an Episcopal priest and a part of the uh, Anglican tradition is that we have a centuries-old um uh, a centuries-old method and way of praying that um, really came out of, of the, the tough times of, uh, of the life of Thomas Cramner, who was, 
who was uh, burned at the stake, uh, you, you know, for for his faith and um, in England, and it, it, it's so there's there's um, uh, but. So there's a rich spirituality that comes out of our tradition that that I draw on, and I and 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 so part of that is also poetic. And so what I hope is that people would be able to articulate, find in it, and be able to um, uh, hear a, a, a words that they may not kind of pray have that they usually pray with but set on a, um, a, a seriousness, a gravitas, a, a weight to it that, 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 they, that, that feeds them and as they speak out to God in perhaps ways that they're not accustomed to do so. So um, uh, that, that, that's in there. I just finished this week and it's uh, a part of, the, uh, of my website, um, robertdflanagan.com is on the website there's a if you sign up for the mailing list you'll have access to a set of prayers that i've written for this time period of covid and going back to school and kind of returning to our lives and going out with masks and and all of that that uh confusion and and angst and anxiety so um that's the the, the prayer what i'm hoping people to come away with is this sense of of a deepening of their own spirituality through some of this Mm. That's a great resource to offer from your website. I love mm. that. So you noted how small moments are big victories when mm -hmm. struggling with mental illness, such as how getting out of bed in the morning can be viewed as a success. And yeah. I, I hear that. Mm -hmm. Based on that, even reading one devotion could be considered a win. So what other kinds of uh, moments should those of, who face uh, maybe a deep mental health challenge mm -hmm. consider victories? And then how can Courage to Thrive help them find those victorious moments? Right. The, um, I, I think kind of, I think a big one, I think a big one for our people in our country. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't know about the rest of the world, but let's speak to our country is, is I run across a lot of people who, who really struggle with forgiveness. Um, they will, you know, you, you, people are loath to apologize for anything. They, they just, you know, there's some people you come across and they're just not going to give an inch on that. They just don't want to show that and see it as a, a, a sign of abject weakness, which it's not. Um, and so, so for instance, if all someone ever did was picked up the book in the, uh, you know, in a bookstore or whatever, and just read um, about forgiveness, uh, it, my my view on it is that forgiveness starts with the self. I think the people who struggle with able to forgive others are people who can't forgive themselves for what they've done. Um, you know, we 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 don't live in a time where people go to confession or 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 uh, share their you know their their you know share their faults or where they've struggled with with uh, life or with mistakes they've made. They kind of say, "No, I didn't make any mistakes." So. So I think, you know, even if there's just that, if you take away that, hey, forgiveness starts with yourself. If you can't forgive yourself, how are you going to forgive others? I mean, think of think of the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our sins, you know, so we can forgive, you know, uh, yeah. those who sin against us, right? If, if 
we can't forgive our forget God can forgive us our sins, but can we forgive our sins? And if we can't forgive our sins, how are we going to forgive the person who cuts us off or is short with us at the store or you know is rude to us on on social media? No, right? You know, we're just going to launch into some things that are just unhelpful. So that needs to be uh, front and center, really working daily on forgiving mm -hmm. ourselves so mm -hmm. that we can't, I mean, that, mm -hmm. that would be a victory to shoot yeah, for, absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. I love that. All right. Well, as we wrap up, mm -hmm. I would love to have you share a couple tips or tools just to help our listeners kind of remember that God is always working all things even mental health challenges, even some of the darkest days of our lives, that he is working all things together for good, even when we can't imagine how he could do it. Right. I, I, in my experience is I, I don't mind challenging God, right? I don't mind challenging God to, and saying, hey, I, I need a sign today. I need to know you're around. I need to know that you're in my life. And that uh, and in that prayer of saying, Praying for that, and 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 then keeping oneself's eyes open to the wonder that that and how God can work with us in those in those days. Um, I think that that's one of those tools to kind of to be able to see the world in a new way is to be able to have this expectation that 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 God is active in our lives and in our ways that are unexpected, and um, and bring to us things that are. Um, in in use us in ways that are helpful in in way in, in in ways that we couldn't imagine. Amen. Amen. Well, Bob, this has been a delight. Thanks, Athena. I I just uh, have been looking forward to this just yeah. because I so enjoyed reading your book and uh, sharing it with my husband, and we read it out loud to each other That's and. Right. Had conversations it even led to a facebook live that we did uh that prompted this conversation that we had so thank you for uh how much you poured of yourself into this work and i'm excited to see what god does with it it's um it's going to touch a lot of lives thanks athena thanks so much it's been great to be with you today you bet so thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful, or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.